This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Ninth Realm, an Age of Sigmar podcast and video cast brought to you as always by Frontline Gaming and Scott. And me, I'm bringing it. Yep. All right. You bring not only the thunder. But my bad looks. And, uh, well, you know, depends on who you're asking. That's true. My wife has to say I look good. We try to build you yeah. up around here. <laughs> it's all about constructive criticism. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But uh, you also bring uh, a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience as a TO in Age of Sigmar. So we always appreciate having you here. Uh, the raw dog himself was uh, feeling a little overwhelmed with his workload today, so he decided to tap out and focus on getting caught up. So, not a problem. No, no. That's why this year. I did the same thing last week. Yep. For the exact same reason. Yeah, we pulled in Pablo for that. (laughs) Yeah, and it was fun. But uh, today it will be me and Mr. Scott, and we are going to jump in and talk about a variety of topics. Uh, We are going to talk about, of course, the Carriage and Overlord new releases coming out. The last wave coming. Yep, indeed. This uh, week for pre-order. And what is the most controversial model in that range, the Aether Chemist, and what it means in the current version of the rules. I think I can confidently predict, again, I don't know, but I I would confidently predict that we're going to be seeing a nerf to stacking the same buff, which is what the Aether Chemist does. He uh, currently gives plus one attack to a unit with shooting. To one of their weapons. To one of their weapons. You're going to pick the best one that has the longest range and does the most damage. Right. And (laughs) uh, a lot of people were talking about the the cannons that the Thunderers can take. I am more concerned about the mortar because it has a 36-inch range. And and, and Sigmar, only artillery has a range like that. And when you have a unit that can be 20 strong, that each shoots a D3 damage shot, 36 inches, but you can give them, as it is currently written... Multiple, an extra, yeah, and an extra and an extra because you get three of them back there and go do it. You can get times. six of them, yeah. Well, and then what I think is the really truly broken combo is five aether chemists, or I guess you go six, make one of them your general, and you take the uh, pirate um, sub faction. I cannot remember the name, but he gives everybody twin linked around him. Oh. So then, <laughs> then you would have what is that, uh, six seventy uh, shots. 36 inches, D3 damage per shot, twin linked. And then re-roll all that. And... It, I mean, that would be... Yeah. That's like, that's you right. don't have to explain that that's broken. That would kill some armies. That would wipe out many armies on the first volley of the first turn of the game. Yeah. And then they're probably going to go first because you can fit almost all of that into one drop. Like, you could, you could boil that down to five chemists and the unit, or 19, just take 19 Thunderers and the six chemists right. in one ironclad, and you have a one-drop army, essentially. So it's like, is that a problem? Yes, to me, that sounds like that's a problem. It's going to be a problem. Um, of course, you wouldn't have the battle line, but you could easily, you, you have a two-drop army. Um, that's problematic, in my opinion. And I don't think the rules yeah. meant for you to do that. Well, and when they write their armies, they don't do that. They always go with here and there and go with the story. So, But they, yeah. they always leave those holes in yeah. that somebody will exploit. So. Uh, I'm hoping that in the General's Handbook 2, which rumors are indicating September, that's what people are saying, we don't know. Um, that I'm hoping that we do see that because that is going to create like some incredibly unenjoyable play experiences for people. Um, yeah. Especially like a horde army. Like I play a low save horde army. 
Like, and my army's not friendly at all. So, like, there might be people out there going, well, tough, cry me a river. <laughs> but for somebody who has an army like mine, like, uh, like Oryx, for example, uh, that have a low save, high model count army, you're going to wipe out multiple units in one volley every turn. And if you don't have the ability to shoot them back, you're, it's not even going to be a game. Well, and, and just the battle shock afterwards, rolling for that. Because, I mean, I, I did have the green skins with three groups of 30. or Yeah, three groups of 30 out there running across the field doing things. And you just have to drop 10 off of each one, and most of the rest of the unit's going to melt away. And what's left isn't going to be able to Is it, yeah. threaten anything. Right. And so it's, uh, you know, is the sky falling? No, of course not. No. But is this ridiculously OP? Yes. Yes, it is. Just do some basic math. You know, multiply 70 times 0.5 times, well, times 0.75. Uh, and that'll tell you how many shots you're going to hit with. And then, you know, multiply it times the, the wound ratio. I think it wounds on a four up. Yeah. And it, a lot of guys are talking about doing just infantry versions of this army yes. with that shot yeah. potential. Yeah, just don't even take the, the ironclad. Um, and it, it's not, it wouldn't be fun. Because if you go first, and again, Age of Sigmar, you can't reserve. You can't hide off the table in most instances. Um, what not kind every of, army. What, some can. What kind of game is that going to be? Um, it's not going to be much of a game. Like, what, what do Iron Jaws do to that? You're Nothing. Like, well, you're like, okay, first of all, I'm going to target all your buffing characters and wipe them out. Most like mathematically, most likely wipe them out. Right. And okay, now your army loses all of its buffs. Um, okay, next turn, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna start picking off your best units, probably two, three at a time. And their leadership's terrible too. I yeah. mean, your brutes are six, so you lose one, you have a chance of rolling a six and losing one. You're gonna lose more than one with that much shooting. Yeah. And then of course you, you take your battle line screen. Um, in that instance, uh, if you want to get the um, the reroll the twin link, you'd have to stay within faction. But the uh, the the company Arkanaw Company, they're really good. Yeah, they're really good. I think people are starting to see how good they are because of the three special weapons that they get. Yeah, um, you've, and I was going through lists on that, and you can have one that goes to midfield for those uh, objectives in the middle mm -hmm. and use the uh, the hooks. Well, not the hooks, even the heavy fire. Just go blow them off of it and move in. Oh, with the uh, yeah, eighteen shots on three guys. Eighteen shots. Yeah. Hooks can move in and then to finish the combat. And the guys with the longer range just drop a little farther back and use that firepower to soften everybody up for what's yep. coming in. So I think that the army's going to be really good because of its battalions. But again, the Aether Chemist, definitely controversial. Let us know what you think. Uh, I am of the opinion very firmly that that I, that was not the way. I don't think that they intended for you to be able to make some unbelievably... Like the firepower of this unit is so... It's more than most armies, right? So I don't think that was the intent. Uh, and hopefully the General's Handbook 2 fixes this because otherwise this is going to cause, there's going to be tournament games um, that are going to be over on the first turn and they're not going to be fun that. at all. And that's not good. It's good. We want them to be good. Of yeah. course. We want them to be really good, but that's, that's a bit much. And that's a bit much. Well, two other kits out. One's a multi-kit for the Sky Wanderers and the Endron Riggers. Oh, the Sky Wanderers and the Endron Riggers. Who are also really good. The injury riggers, their pistol is like out of control good. Yeah. And then the uh, injury master, uh, the sky wardens, I, I, I was kind of reading them there in half bad either. They all get a pike and the pike and a pistol. Yeah. And they have like little bombs, like defensive bombs. They, they have a lot of that in the uh, carriage and, and overlords. Both of them have a thing where they can basically target something on a four up. They hit it and can move any distance over there. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go run around to grab objectives with them. Yeah. It's like bionic commando. They like shoot out a hook and then like zip over. So they can move almost across the board, which is amazingly good for objectives. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you want to field six, so you get two shots at that four up, which pretty much 
statistically gives you a 75% chance. Yeah. You have very good odds of, of hitting that happen. So it's, it's going to be a really good army. Again, the only problem is the Aether chemists. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, we're really hoping that with the SoCal Open in October, we won't even have to worry about it. We won't have to deal with it. No. Um, and, and that's a good segue. Make sure to grab your tickets uh, for the SoCal Open. We, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, we are over triple digit attendance for the event in like less than two weeks. Yeah. So we, we want to make sure, like, get your tickets. Um, we do have a lot of space, but at the rate that we're at, it's going to sell out way before it's oh, go yeah. time. So grab, just grab your ticket. It's a re fully refundable up until 30 days before the event. So there's not really a lot of risk. Just uh, I would recommend grabbing your ticket sooner than later. And then um, now we've got one. And yeah. You can always you can rather than hope somebody else cancels. You already have your set. Exactly. And who doesn't want to come to San, San Diego? Del Mar is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It's is. a place everybody would want to live if we could afford it. But yeah. We can go visit. So Yeah. In, in San Diego, North County is like the nice part. Although all, all of nice. San Diego is nice. Even the bad parts are nice. Yeah. But Del Mar, like, we've, like I've been saying on all the podcasts I've been going on, it's when people who are not from California think of California, it's that's Del, Del Mar. Del what they think of, yeah. yeah. Palm trees, sandy beaches, perfect weather, pretty girls, and rollerblading on the boardwalk. That's exactly what it is. Yep. So it's a great place to come and visit. Uh, bring your spouse, bring your girlfriend, bring your friends that don't game. They can have a beach vacation and you can play games. Get your games in. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, but uh, make sure to also take a look at these new Carriage and Overlords if you are interested in playing the faction. You can pick these up at a discount from Frontline Gaming, and you can grab those right out of our web cart now. It makes it a lot easier than the way we used to do it. So thanks to GW for that. And of course, free shipping on any order, $99 and up, and that includes yep. anything in the web cart. So if you want to get an FLG mat, of which we just released a new one, or you want to uh, pick up some ITC Terrain, or an, an infinity model, whatever the case may be. Uh, if your total order, if your order total is uh, 99 or more, we have free shipping within the continental United States. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I, I these are just great looking models. Can't wait to oh, place yeah. them on the table and see yeah. how they really work. Love them. And then just to mention that, the new mat that we just released, the new FLG mat is the Alien Hive mat. It's very uh, Geiger-esque. If you saw the Alien movies, you'll recognize some of the design elements in it. Uh, and thanks to a suggestion, from a listener, we are coming out with it in different colors. Currently, it's a purple, but then purple. yeah, we changed the hue, so we're gonna have like four more colors available. Very cool. Yeah, um, maybe not like the best mat for Age of Sigmar, but I, you could certainly use it for like, especially the green one would be great for Nurgle. Yeah. Um, for a Nurgle themed. Um, um, we'll put some realm. forest around. It can be the realm of life when he was investing parts of it. That's actually a good idea. So that uh, it was definitely made more with a science fiction setting in mind, but you could totally use it for uh, a fantasy setting too. So uh, Scott, talk us, talk us through the rumor mill. I have yeah, no idea what that is. Well, last week's rumor mill, all of us missed it. We were talk, talking about it and they, somebody in another cast said, oh, that's clearly the, um, the bad moon with a little chain thing around it. Oh, bumps around it. Yeah. And they literally released it as a Blood Bowl model the next week, and that's what it is. It's the Goblin Faction for Blood Bowl. Good eye. And as soon as I saw that, I looked at the picture again. I'm like, yeah, that's so painfully obvious. I don't know why we didn't see it staring at it. We have another one in this. I'm going to guess. like a gem guess in the middle elf. with points. I'm guessing yep. some kind of elf. Oh, no, that could be is the top of a hat. Yeah. To like a, a some kind of a Terminator or something like that. But it, it looks like the the back of like a throne or something. Yeah, it's very crown almost mm -hmm. in its appearance and a little heart maybe on the inside. It oh, it's a little weird and it's the the prince of love. Prince of love. Uh, ho we match wa ma we. That was great. Uh, which is a 
uh, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Reference for anybody. If you haven't seen that, if you're if you're young uh, enough where you don't know what that is, do yourself a favor. It's go one of the, watch it. Yeah. Go watch it. It's one of the great. Don't don't wait for them to redo it because they won't do it right. No. Go watch the original. Just go watch the original. It's one of the great fantasy, uh, lighthearted fantasy movies. Yeah. Andre the Giant is in, is it. in it. Yeah. Is the, yeah. Yeah. Don't go rent the. Don't go read the book that it's based on. Because it was kind of interesting. There's a whole story behind that. So if you ever actually get, you know get the DVD, listen to the. Um, well, you got to share the story because I didn't know this. What you is it? Oh. No. Well, the original book is kind of this boring how to be a noble, how to travel thing, and how to pack and how to act. Really? His grandfather would read him the story and skip all of the boring parts to just tell the action. <laughs> so when he went and got the book to write to do the to do the um, script. He said, well, no, I don't remember any of this stuff. Oh, this, this is boring is, stuff. And I had a friend who had gotten the book specifically and read it. And I said, yeah, this is terrible. I, and then we found out when we watched one of the DVDs and his, uh, the screenwriter guy, yeah. he, he kind of pointed out, no, this is all, it was all stuff that my, my grandfather just jumped through all those parts and read that's, the interesting things. That's awesome. Because in the movie, it's... Um, yeah, grandfather's reading it. That's the grandfather's, kind of they went with that yeah. motif. And yeah. he's reading it to the Wonder Years kid. Um, yeah. And, uh, savage. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's great. So anyway, uh, definitely watch it, and then you'll get the joke as you wish, which is a meme on the internet as well. <laughs> but uh, we have a shout-out for Matthew Pashby. He uh, hit us up, and he's running a two-day GT up in Spokane, Washington for Age of Sigmar, August 26th and 27th. And he wanted to, to, to mention the event. He's hyped. Uh, he's hoping to have yeah, over I, 32 players. Great. I, I just ran one with 32 players. It was very hectic. Get a, get a buddy. We have found that I need a buddy. 32 and 32 to 64, two people can handle it, no problem. Two people is plenty, especially if you use the Best Coast Pairings app, uh, shameless oh, yeah. plug. But if you use the app, you, you cut out a whole person's job. You don't need anybody to do data entry, uh, and you don't need anybody to collect like player score sheets. You still do, but it's dramatically yeah, reduced. The one, I did, the one we did at Broadside, I did have to collect sports scores and paint scores and right. get all those put in. That wasn't really the rough part. The rough part was the last day I had to end up uh, uh, ringering. And that was yes. like, if I had a buddy, I could have said, hey, you know what? Take my army. Here's the rules. Go have a great time. I'm going to go ahead and go through this paperwork. Yeah. And that, that would have solved that particular problem, which is why I needed a buddy for that one. And actually, I have somebody who volunteered, I'll mention in a minute, who might want to help. Yeah. Well, so yeah, definitely do that. And just kind of TO tips for Age of Sigmar, because we're all still learning as we go. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, and we'll talk about some of the things we learned with the SoCal Open with player feedback, which thank you for that. Um, there's very, there's not nearly as many rules questions. So, oh, almost you can, nothing. Yeah. yeah, you can get away with literally half the judging staff. Like at the Las Vegas Open, we had one judge for a hundred, almost a hundred players. So that is something that you really want to keep in mind because uh, the staff requirements are a lot lower than what you would be used to for like 40K, where you need a lot of judges because the game is so yeah. hyper-complicated. Although... Hopefully the, that's going to fix itself. Yeah, with little leaks GW's been uh, letting out. Very exciting. I, obviously, I know, but I can't say anything. Um, anything more than what they've showed us, but I think people are going to be very excited. Um, so yeah, with, with Age of Sigmar, you could really get away with, like you said, two people up to 64 players. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, and, the only reason that extra guy was the fact that I needed yeah. a ringer. If I didn't need a ringer, I could have done that those during the 32 all by myself. And oh, no problem. In. No problem. Especially if you go completely on the app, you don't yeah. need any data entry whatsoever. Nope. Right? But there's, as we've learned, 
there's still a lot of people in the Age of Sigmar community that came from the fantasy community that are still used to using kind of like what I what I would call the old school way of doing things, which is like, you know, sports score included, right. uh, paint score included. And we do still do that for our events with 40K, but especially when you scale up to the size that we have, you literally cannot judge every army. It's not possible. Uh, and so our system has, has evolved in 40K over time to reflect our needs. And it was, it, I, I was like, oh yeah, like I, I forgot these people were coming at it from a, a different place. Yeah, um, and well, when we did the when I did the twenty one day twenty person one day one, that went pretty quick, pretty easy because I used the app with very little add-ins. Right, it was easy. But yeah, and a lot of the guys actually they're they're disappointed that there aren't scores in a lot of the events done that way because they're used to eighty guy events and they're running sports, they're running paint. So we'll all find a place, but the way I see it is, it's just different ways to play the game. Totally. Broadside's going to run itself the, that way. They're not going to change. They want it to have all those hobby scores added in. And other events are going to run just straight fight. And I, I kind of explained to a few people who are disappointed that it's like, no, think of it as like the old uh, Art, Art Boys events. Is that the... I, I don't know if that's a good comparison because the Art Boys events I, have... I never went to one. So. They have really negative connotations in some people's Oh, really? Lives. Yeah. So I, I would say no, that's not a good uh, comparison because okay. Art Boys was no... It was literally bring the most broken thing possible. Right. And don't paint your models. Like, it wasn't like, don't paint them. Like, it just, but it's like, they don't, they don't No, they don't care. Okay. The whole point of Ard Boys was to show who, which is the worst name ever, who's well, the hardest boy around. Somewhere in the other direction then. So, yeah, Ard Boys, I'd say, is a bad, a bad comparison. But the thing, like, the thing that gets lost in the shuffle, and I, we're segueing into talking about... Uh, Sorry. Kind of modern, not modern, but... Around. We have a lot of people come from the 40K community into the Age of Sigmar community. Yeah, and, and I've had some... You're bringing in the way that that 40K has been done for years. And then it's it's kind of meeting with the way that fantasy was done forever. And there's been a little bit of creative friction. Yeah. And it's to be expected. And so what we're let me define what we're talking about, because I'm sure that some people are scratching their heads, because we haven't clearly defined it. So uh, in 40K, the way that all the, the... Not all, the vast majority of big events... And the kind of the way it was being played in general was a separation of uh, church and state. <laughs> no, a separation right. of, of hobby, generalship, and uh, renaissance person, or what, what used to be called best overall. Right, right. Or what is currently called best overall best for overall. some systems. Uh, but there was a big push like years and years ago to separate those. Right. And the reason why is because the logic behind it is, is that some people are really good at some things. Some people are really good at other aspects of the hobby. Some people are really good at painting. They're not so good at playing. Some people are really good at playing. They're not so good at painting. And then there was a big push in the 40K community, huge push to just get rid of sportsmanship as a score that impacted uh, overall. Right. And, and I'll talk about that. Uh, I'll give that a little bit of time because a lot of people, that's new to them. And one of the things that was hard for me or that, that was a little bit of a cold water in the face for me was I was like, oh, wait, we got to explain this again? Like, uh. I was like, we've been through this in the 40K community that – it's been, it's like, that's like over and done and it's been behind us for years and years and years. But then it was being reintroduced to people who were like, hey, what the heck, why is this gone? And right. I'm like, oh man, I gotta, we gotta do this all over again? Well, and the, I was kind of interesting, uh, South Coast GT just wrapped up and everybody's doing their post shows and I'm hearing how they score that. And they have a flat score for all of those different things. So they add 10 points. You, you bring your own train to that event. So you have to bring five. You bring five pieces of train, you get like 10 points. If they're up to the snuff of what they asked for, you get 10 more. Your army the same way. It's painted 10. If it's to a certain standard, another 10. 
So if you just try, you're going to just get those points to show up on the table. And that's kind of their way of meeting it in the middle, rather than you're matching scores and you're going paint versus paint and throwing that in. It's just, here's a flat number. You did what we asked you to, you get the base score. So everybody competitive is going to make sure they at least do a model up to a, a tabletop standard. Everybody's going to bring their materials. And it was interesting because I always feel the way the two of them talk, one of them would want more of a soft, a much more soft, stronger soft score to an end result. And both kind of have the same opinion that they should be just done separately. They all yes. need to be at the event because you have to celebrate totally. the whole thing. 100%. But each one needs to be its own compartment is the way they see yes. it. And then to, to kind of complement what you were saying, uh, the reason why people feel that way is in ye old days in 40K, in a way it was largely done in fantasy too, is you couldn't win if you didn't have a beautifully painted army. You right. literally could not win the event. You couldn't even place. You could get best general if that was on the table, but usually that was one award. Right. But, and, 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 and I know there's people out there that, that they're like nodding your head like, yeah, of course, like that's the way we do it. And there's people who are like, this is all new. So I want to take the time to explain it because uh, there's a lot of assumed knowledge. I assume people understand the evolution of this argument, right? And so in, in the 40K competitive community for, amongst the organizers, right. there was a, a big push that was extremely populist. Um, there was pushback, of course, because there's always people who are resistant to change. But there yeah. was a huge push that like, as, as 40K events exploded in size, it was like, I'm never, ever going to win. I have no chance of winning because I, I'm not that good of a painter. Right. And it's like, I'm being punished because I'm not an artist. And then vice versa, the painter was like, I can't win anything because I'm not that good of a player and I don't even care. Like, right. I'm there to just have some fun, but I, I literally can't win because in the old structure, it was a combined score. Right, right. So you were excluded before you began. And then as these events grew and were trying to draw more people in, they had to compartmentalize things because it's like, okay, yeah, be realistic with yourself. You're probably not going to defeat, you're not going to go undefeated with your uh, themed witch list, but right. it's awesome and we want you to come. Yeah. So you could win best hobbyist. And so by compartmentalizing the different awards and then the way we do it in our events is we, we have equal prize support for all the categories. Renaissance person, best uh, general or tournament champion and best appearance. We give the same amount of support we're, we're celebrating all the different aspects of it now online. People talk about tournament champion the most. So it seems right. like that's getting the most fanfare, but it, it isn't at the event. So then yeah. when you take that system and then you introduce it to people who came from a fantasy background, they're like, wait, 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 what? Like how, like what's happening here? And that's, and that was what the interaction that I experienced. And I was like, Oh, okay. This needs to be explained again. Why? Why? Like the logic behind the, 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 the decision you, you want to yeah. say? Oh, no, it's just, uh, that's and the, uh, when I think back, all the fantasy events I liked going to had a cap for the points you can get in each one. That way, anybody can kind of reach there if you just try. You're not a great painter, but you can do a base of three colors. You can do some highlights. You can try freehand on the A model, and that'll get you your max points, and you can walk away. I mean, I, I liked those events better because I'm not a great painter. I'm not a great player, but I enjoy playing, and it, it, I always felt more punished when I showed up to an event where they scored the full paint and you get up like 36 points yeah. and I'd have to be some professional painter that somebody would right. pay to, to paint models. And right. that just, I'm not. Oh, and then people get super upset if your army was professionally painted. painted right. So then you open the door to all these arguments. Oh. Uh, it causes a lot of, a lot of friction and problems. And I do understand. I do completely understand the, the perspective of, Hey, it's a total hobby event. Yeah. I get that. 
And I, that, I do understand that mentality and there's merit to it. However, if you want your event to be inclusive as opposed to exclusive, you, ha- you really do have to change the way you do things. And like we spoke about previously, there is a direct correlation to how high your paint standard is to your attendance. And it's an inverse ratio. Yeah. The, har- the higher the bar for paint and hobby requirements, the lower your attendance and vice versa. But at the same token, like hard boys, like you said, there was gray armies. Now at hard boys, they tell you to expect this. Right. But no one wants to do that on a regular basis. Nobody. No. It's not fun. And yeah, there are plenty of competitive guys who, who are upset if they show up to a table and somebody yeah. doesn't have at least a base paint job done. I can't stand it when I play, because my armies are not always like perfectly 100% finished, but I always get them to a tournament standard. They're three colors based and I'm not embarrassed to put my models down. But usually right. I play fully painted stuff. And when I play against someone who's got silver and uh, gray or, or proxies, I don't like it. It's not fun. I'm like, if, if this no. is the way it's going to be, I'd rather play War Machine or chess where I don't have to worry about it. But a part of playing these games is the aesthetic immersion. So you do need to have the bar set to a, a pretty high minimum, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, three colors based. And when we say three colors, we don't mean three dots of paint. We mean... You, yeah, you, you put that in the pack. Yeah. It's like... Because we were discussing tabletop versus three color, and you said that not three dots, and I'm like, that was that was that was a good way to, to explain it. Because we know what we mean by three color. Right. Anybody else who's part of the hobby knows what we mean by three color. But I have been to places where the guy spray painted it two colors, put metal on the weapons, put green on the orc faces, slapped them on the table, and you looked and like, and they literally looked like he went like this with a spray can. Yeah, and the thing is, like, the people are, are and I agree, like, gamers game systems, that's their nature. Gamers yeah. look for loopholes. That's what we do. It's part of the fun of being a gamer, right? Like, you're looking to break the system. That is just your nature. And so there's no reason to even get upset about it. You should just anticipate yeah. that that's going to occur. But you do have to, like, like that, that situation you described, a lot of times, because gamers are also can be passive-aggressive and non-confrontational, they assume the worst, but they don't have to take the time to ask the person, right? Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone get upset about something, not say anything, then go online and just go ham. And I'm like, did you take the time to talk to the person? Because what if that individual that brought the army that they sprayed rattle can the night before, like just started playing. What if they have some sort of a disability that prevents them from being able to paint their stuff? What if they're brand new? You know what I mean? Or what if they really wanted to come to the event and then they read the rules and they're following the rules and then they go, okay, well crap, I really want to come and have fun. So I do this and then like there was no ill intent. No, and if you had that conversation, the guy said, I really wanted to be here today, so I just made sure I sprayed two colors on it. I did the faces green. I did the weapons. Then you look him in the face and go, look, really what you want to do when you do that is, what's the major color? Base coat it in that. Then pick out two details per model. It would have looked twice as good. And then later, you can go back and actually improve it. This, you've got to clean and then do over again. You could have helped them with the next time. Right. Yeah. And And it's like when you take the time to communicate, you avoid these situations where someone's like, that guy's ruined the hobby. He's exploiting a loophole when sometimes that's not the case. Yeah. Now, if someone literally puts three dots of paint on their model, they are clearly <laughs> exploiting the system. And then that's the time when you take them aside and you go, depending on the nature of your event, if it's a Sunday RTT, you might go, all right, dude, you can play. Ha, you got me. But in the future, that's not the spirit of the rule. Yeah, and, and a lot of the packs I, I have seen and I have written for one day, it, it will say you need the three color to, to get a prize. You know, and that's the ITC standard ruling for us is if you, are, if you do show up and you've got some models that are not painted, 
We're not going to send you home when you took vacation and flew to Las Vegas or San Diego or the Bay Area Open. We're not going to send you back. Because people online do that. Like, just tell them they can't play. I'm like, okay. Yeah, they paid a lot of money. They yeah. stayed in a hotel for the night. They took time away from their family, their job. Like, no, we are not doing Probably that. Probably took at least a half day if not yeah. to drive there. I know. Yeah. People, are always, that's the, the, it's, people are so quick online to go to that extreme and oh kick them out and you're like dude give me well a and in one day is i don't even want to kick somebody out who shows up and wants to play yeah and then, and then they're, they're like they may not even know that they broke the rule you well, know it, yeah. it happened I mean, again the, the onus of responsibility is on the, the person coming to read the pack i can tell you from experience it doesn't happen yeah and I, it's like, i haven't read packs i'll go through and like wait i'm, I'm not allowed to do this yeah. oh I'm guilty you of it apologize too. apologize the last two players. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we've all been there. And the thing is, it's like, this is not some like draconic, like skull and bones elite order. It's supposed to be inclusive and fun. Oh yeah. Right? We want like, everybody in. We want people to come. And it, like when we were talking, when uh, GW had their meeting at uh, Adepticon with uh, community members for Age of Sigmar, and there were some people calling like, like enforce round base, like, like force round base. Uh, and then the GW guys are like, no, no, they're like, we want people to come. We're still building the age of Sigma community. We're still building events. We, we don't want to put barriers to entry to people like, yes, paint yeah. your stuff, but like, no, you don't have to base it yet. Maybe that will be ha happening in the future. But even the games workshop, people that wrote the rules of the game were like, no, 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 don't do that yet. Right. Like, well, and all I say for guys who show up with like square bases and they ask, is this okay? Or et cetera. I'm like, just, just treat them as if they're on the rounds. If you know they're supposed to be on 32s, don't count two ranks. Count the front. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. You can play with your models. I, you know, now the guy who ranks up all his little skeletons and refuses, then you know why he did it. That's yes. the people they're, 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 yeah, that's what people are thinking. But you know, I've run five of them now, six. Yeah. Six, including the GT. I haven't had one guy show up and actually do that on the table per se. So I, I just don't think it's a thing. I think it's just what people are worried about. Base size is really not that big of a deal anymore. Like even in 40K, like, Space Marines have all gone to 32 mil. I have a, I have literally like 300 model, just infantry Space Marine Army. And I'm like, I will never rebase those. I'm not going to do it. And if there's an event that says you must play on 32, I won't, I will either not come or I won't bring that army. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's, it's asking a lot of someone who maybe they have uh, all scenic bases. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, they may have invested hundreds, even more dollars into that. And it's like, I mean, I understand they do look better on round bases. The aesthetic of the game is better. It is. And in, uh, maybe in time, that will be a requirement. But it's like, do you, do you really, how, how badly do you want to push people away from your event? That's the question you should well, ask. Well, I think it's just encouragement. The same as I was going to say about painting. As a teacher, what you do is you always point out the good. And then you encourage the rest to raise themselves to that standard. Yeah. Forcing people to do certain things doesn't work. They close down. They don't want to do it. They'll walk away. But if you point out the good yeah. and just say, check out how they did this. Look at that. You know, and you don't even point out what may or may not have been done on their models. You just, just having the display there makes me want to paint better. makes other people yeah, want to paint better. Yeah, they'll connect the And every time they come to another event, they're going to do something new. That is just the nature of painting the models, doing it in the first place. You're going to be done with a unit. You're going to go back and go, you know what? I could do another highlight on these. Because that guy's army, who he just did a simple edging when I asked him, looked amazing compared to I just did flat colors with a little bit of wash. Yep, absolutely. And then again, you always have to remember like some people are just starting and they don't have the skill set yet. And like, do you really want to turn away fresh blood? The answer is no. 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 We always have to be recruiting people in this uh, in this hobby in this industry, or we it's the clock starts ticking until your demise. 
Right. And that was one of the big things that With killed fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. Right. Like the barrier to entry was so high that people couldn't afford to get into it. It was too daunting. Like I tell the story all the time. We never in like two and a half years did not sell a new person on fantasy at the end. Like not one. Not one. Yeah, not we, one person. Yeah, it was when we, when we ran the league, we get a few. We'd get a few people, but it ran in six month sweeps, and we like maybe get one new person into it when we were running the league, and it was just it just wasn't growing. It was dwindling. I there mean, was a good number of there. Yeah. There were steady guys, but new blood, no, that was yeah. not a thing. So I mean, that's been talked about to death. But the other part about that I wanted to talk about because it probably bears explanation. There's probably people coming to the SoCal Open who are listening to this. I hope. Uh, the other part of it was, was sportsmanship. And I wanted to address that because in the 40 K community, this has been like dead and buried and put away and, and forgotten for the most part. But I, I, I was reintroduced to it. I was like, Oh yeah. And like going to your events, I was like, Oh wait, yeah, zero to six, score? Zero to like six, scoring yeah. my opponent on sports. I was like this old antiquated thing. And again, I'm not, I'm not mocking it. It's just like, that was my perspective from someone who has been, uh, deeply involved in this, and I literally almost forgotten about it. Yeah. And there was a big push in the 40K community along with the separation of the different aspects of hobbying and to give equal billing to all these different things to celebrate them all and let people come and be good at what they're good at. Uh, the big one, there was a huge push to take away player scored sportsmanship scores in, because we still have player scored sports. But uh, we switched it to a very, very simple thumbs up, thumbs down. And we clearly define, well, clearly what define is, yeah. what gives a thumbs down. And it's not, I didn't like my opponent. I didn't like my opponent's His army. His army was too tough. Yeah, I, you no, know, whatever. Because the, the, and this is kind of a, I'll try to condense this as much as possible because this is a huge debate. It's based a lot in your philosophy on the game, uh, psychology. But we're all adults. Right, the youngest person that comes to most tournaments is a teenager, and even a teenager, 15, 16, 18 years old, can be expected to act, conduct themselves like an adult. And the average person at an event is a gentleman. This is a gentleman's game or gentlewoman, uh, and the expectation should be set there. But then also right. reality enforces the fact that most people don't default to acting like a jerk, only stop from doing so by their sports score. Right. Right. You'll find if you were to do a qualitative analysis, I guarantee you will find that the vast majority of people will get a max or near max score on sports. Yeah, that was the that was the problem in broadside. I when I was done with the numbers, a lot of people were handing out fives and sixes. And you had that one or two guys going around doing threes and fours. Um, and, and they're following the rules. The guys I, giving yeah. the threes. And, four, and we've talked about this. We won't go. We won't hash it too much. But the the default is people are nice to each other. Yeah. And then the system is supposed to penalize the people that are being unfun to play against. And again, not because of what they brought, but because of their, their personality, not because of their personality even. It's not supposed to be that. It's because of the way they treat the other person. Right. Right. But if you think about this logically, if you give the tool to the player to take points away from their opponent and hurt their chances of winning the event, who is more likely to use that as a tool the guy who's going to get the lowest sports. The, the jerk is the yeah. one. You're giving the jerk the tool to but hurt everybody. I did go through the scores, and nobody uh, in England, they called that chipmunking. It's the same that. here. Is it? I, I never heard that term until I heard it on a podcast from England. They're like, chipmunking. Oh, there you go. I didn't. Nobody really changed. They were kind of even keel with all their votes. Nobody. Uh, one of the ones who was mostly level did 1-6. Yep. rest were. But when going through the calculations, there was, there was almost no point to it. It was way more valuable for having people vote for their favorite opponent. 
Yes. That that separated things right away because some got zero, some got one, very few got two, and very few got more than that. Yep. And that would have been a way, that would have been a better way yes. all around, point-wise, um, per turn-wise, of finding a sports opponent yep. or... And, and in the heats in England, they use that uh, for Warhammer World. They use that as their first determiner for a tiebreaker is going to, if sports. you score the same wins, losses, we go to the sports, uh, the favorite opponent. I don't necessarily agree with that though. Cause then again, it's like, I, I understand, like, I understand the concept. Like, okay, you guys are dead. You're dead. Even we go to strength of schedule cause it's an objective measurement, but then they go to sports and it's like, I would still make the argument that if, what if somebody has Asperger's or, um, they're just not an outgoing person, but they're very pleasant. Yeah. Like, and they, they, they didn't wow you with their personality. Now they're, they're at a disadvantage. And again, it's like that. It just depends on what you want your yeah. event to be, but it's like, it still incentivizes people to be false and like try right. to get that. Oh, Hey buddy, you're so cool. You know, it's like, I just want just be a normal human being and have a fun, play a fun game. But I found that a far better, like it's a far better determiner for sports than the other. And I'm yes. not, um, in the event I ran in April, I used that as the third tiebreaker, which I didn't yeah. have to go to. Yeah, and again... So it was after the point. So it, it, that would have been literally like, let's go through everything, okay. Yeah. We do, uh, we do uh, strength of schedule as our final tiebreaker, which again is an objective chess-based measurement. Um, we, we try to take the subjectivity out of it because uh, one of the, the examples I always use is something that I still am ashamed of to this day. I chipmunk somebody at a tournament one time and I am like philosophically adamantly opposed i've given i don't think i've ever given i think i've given in my whole life i could count on one hand the amount of times i didn't give somebody a max sports score right ever in my life and i was playing at a fantasy tournament uh in seventh edition and i was playing it was my third opponent playing demons which at the time you've never seen anything so broken as demons in seventh edition and oh yeah nice guy N no fault of his own he, he tabled me enough. again I got tabled three times in a row by demon players. Again, it was just, I was playing Wood Elves there, demons, like it was literally impossible. It was, I'll, I'll spare, that was the most broken thing I've ever seen, ever. And Matt Ward, so long, see ya. I hope you're doing good, but don't ever come back to write rules. Uh, and I it was so upset, not because my opponent was mean, but because I got my butt kicked again. Even someone who was philosophically opposed, I dinged him on sports. Only yeah. two points. But I felt so guilty about it that the next year I found him, apologized, bought him a beer. And then I was like, this system is flawed. It's fundamentally flawed. Because in the heat of the moment, the temptation was too great because I was sad that I got beat, that I took points away from my opponent and hurt his chances of winning, even though he had a beautiful army. He was a cheese dick army. And he was a nice guy. And I hurt him because all he did was beat me. Yeah. And that system well, incentivizes you to do that. I said that zero to six, that was just me doing a lot of paperwork that I had to go through twice. And then again later to make sure everything was good. But it would and it would have been way better to just that last paper. Which army did you like the best? What was your favorite opponent? Okay, done. And you know, I, can I can totally live with that system. And that's kind of the way GW does it at their yeah. events, right? I, I can live with that system. I still think it's not super fair to people who aren't really outgoing. Because if you play like at, a, at Adepticon, there was a gentleman who won best sports. Awesome dude. I wish I would have got to play him. He was like jumping, doing cartwheels, <laughs> throwing dice, like... How are you? Yeah. How do you compete with that? <laughs> like, you don't, anybody yeah. he played was gonna get his their favorite opponent vote, and like, what are you supposed to do? Dress up like a clown? Like, <laughs> like it makes it extremely difficult. Like uh, our buddy Jeff Robinson in control of Starcraft, of Starcraft fame, very intense player, 
But if you made that, a, if you made the uh, favorite opponent vote a separate one, it doesn't impact the standings in that one position, and you scored that in some way for an overall at the end. I think that would be a good, that, that would be a way better way to lump in than a zero to six every round. I agree. Because that was, I, I, I talked about that the last time. It was just a lot of stuff, and a lot of people were just giving the same score. They're giving so sixes. And they, they had one philosophy, either I'm going to run this the way it's written, so everybody's getting fours as kind of a general, maybe threes, or I'm just going to give everybody a five and a six because I, I just like the game. I, my, normal, my, my normal operating procedure, I circle, circle the top score and then I show it to my opponent. Because then yeah. the other part of it that I hate is the secretive nature of it, where it's like you write it down and then they don't look. And you're like, ah, well, it's, God, it's just like encouraging passive aggressive behavior, which is not. It's, yeah. There's already too much of that in tabletop gaming. That's where if you just asked who was your favorite, you're going to go with like two of your five games. Usually you're like, oh, that one was great. This one was great. You just pick one. Well, a lot of times. And I can. A lot of times with a favorite, really fast. <laughs> but a lot of times with a favorite opponent vote, and I can tell you, I know I'm not the only one that does this. I write the person's name who I can remember their name. That's true. And it's so frequently, it's my last game. Because I'm like, what was, John? Yeah, John, great game. Well, not everybody, because I know there are people who got more than two votes. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, I, 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 sometimes I'm, I'm like, I don't remember, remember names. That, that first name. guy, like, yeah. that's a great first game. Of course, with the app, I can, you can go, go right back. back and look. Mm-hmm. That's actually the best part of it. Every time I'm in one where the app is, I just open up my player app, go yeah. back to round one. And go, oh, that was a, that was a great game. I, now yeah. I got his name. Great. You know, rather than who was it? I I don't remember. Yeah. Oh no. No, no, it happens. Sometimes players can be lazy, especially at the end of a tournament when you're tired and you're like, uh, Johnny, John, John. I remember him. But you got favorite opponent because yeah, usually all my games are fun. Yeah. Right. Uh, so anyway, I think we've we've hashed that one out. But uh, talking about how we're going to do it for the SoCal Open and uh, just to kind of like finish it up and what to expect. So we expect, we assume that all the games are good because the data shows that's true. It's not a guess. If you added up all the sports scores, like Scott was just saying, almost everybody got a max score or near it. Yeah, every, every game, like I said, it was five or six and some fours. When you got done adding it up, there was... Maybe a three-point variance between players. They were all pretty dang close to maxed on sports. Right. So looking at and that, you, that pattern repeats itself at every event I've ever been to ever anywhere, right? Almost everybody gets a, like, if it's a six point scale, almost everybody's getting a five or a six the whole way through. So it's, it's silly to even include it. In my opinion, I know different people disagree. So what we've done over the years of running tons and tons of events is we assume that's what's going to happen. And, and if then, they get a no. So, and then if you get a thumbs down, which we specify why, Right. Yeah, it, it can't be a big secret. You can't secretly dock your opponent. You don't have to do it in front of them either because if there's tension at the game, we don't want to add to it. Right. But if you go up to the judge and you go, I'm giving my opponent a thumbs down, it's not a big secret. If your, your opponent will know they got a thumbs down, you don't have to confront them at all. We don't want people to think that. But we ask you, okay, tell us a little bit about your game. Okay, you know what? He, was, he, he insulted me. He said, F you. Well, hey. That's unacceptable behavior. Right. We're dinging you. Now you're one foot out the door. Right. We don't mess around with it because that's truly not acceptable behavior. It's not. Right. I don't like red shirts. Basically, somebody who's argumentative at the table, who's constantly pulling things back, who is verbally abusive, more than in a direct and very uh, affirmative way, is making the game unfun. Not just unfun because he's playing outplaying you. Not unfun because he's just not an outgoing guy. Right. Unfun because he's literally going over every rule, tagging every little thing, yeah. going after. And you guys, I've, I've heard those arguments as I'm waiting in line to put things in. This is what the guy did. And you guys go, okay. And just No, we do. And, and then we're like, okay. So the first one we give you, like, it depends on how many rounds in the tournament. If it's a three-round tournament, the first one's the second one. It's immediate action. 
in a six-round tournament or a five-round tournament. We let the first one slide. Usually, it depends on the circumstance. And the reason why is because it's more often than not that it's just that, that one bad game in a dozen that those, those two people personalities conflicted. Right. Neither one of them is a bad person. And we've seen that. I've run enough time. events now. Yeah. I've seen that where two guys, they just they rubbed on each other the wrong way. It just didn't work out. And you go back and look at how their, their other opponents scored them. And they're and how fine. They did, and they're, they were great. Yeah. Nothing but great comments all the way up to this one game. And the two of them just, they, they didn't. They rub each other the wrong way. And this yeah. happens. And you shouldn't be punished for that. No. Right. And, but if it happens twice, okay. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. And uh, in, the, in, in all the time we've been doing this, uh, we've run so many events. This system works really well. As soon as you hit two, bad things start happening, right? You're not going to win prizes. You're, you're, you might get a win turned into a loss. We're going to have a very stern conversation with the, the offender. Right. Three, you're usually out the door. Um, it depends on the circumstances, but by four, you're gone. Right, and that's fair. I mean... You know the same thing teaching. One little thing happens, you're like, yeah, things happen. Things happen. If it happens again the next day, you go, wait, wait. Now mm. you have to go talk to them. And then you get a whole week of it, you realize, oh, okay, so we need to yeah. get involved here. And if there's three, you're like, you're the problem. I don't care. Right. If you if we're not kicking you out now, you're definitely on your way out the door. Right. And yeah. that's and that's the way we've handled it. You can't win. Most you disqualified from a lot of prize support. So it's like an inverse. It is like if the system is supposed to be punishing bad behavior, that's what it does. Right. And so in response to some of the feedback we got, which thank you guys so much. Yeah. Um, and that was all on the Facebook page. We on the set Facebook up. page. Yep. And we really appreciate the feedback because like I've just gone on this big diatribe explaining my <laughs> point of view. But the thing is, at the end of the day, I'm not playing in the event. So it doesn't. That's doesn't, true. It doesn't really matter. We want to make the event you want to play. And so what we did is to um, give it to make it what people want. The best of action awards are going to be old school combined uh, sports, paint and um, generalship. Okay. But it, it'll, be the, it'll be the inverse. So if you get any thumbs down on sports, you're not going to be able to win uh, the best of faction. So it's, it's going to be not exactly what people are used to, but it's almost the exact same thing. right? So the best okay. order, best destruction, best chaos. Well, it sounds fun. I, no matter yeah. what, you're going to play five games. The sixth game, if you want to, in that last round. No, seventh round. That's right, seventh round. You can play another game in that seventh round if you want to because you're going to get six in. Yeah. Uh, and that was somebody was asking about how that worked. We're going to go through six with everybody and then pull the top and they get a playoff in that seventh and there'll be open tables. So if you still want to hang out to play, like if you live in San Diego like me, you can hang around, play another game because you're right at your own home. If you got to leave, we're not going to hold you for a seventh round. Yeah. You can get, get on the road, get out of there. Yeah. And that's why we're doing four and two. Right. With a championship. That round. was the other big thing yeah. was the times and two hours. So we're talking back and forth about giving a little more or not. And we'll see how that, that plays out and how people feel about the two hour round. Yeah. Cause uh, I, I was actually surprised. And again, this is all really cool because the age of Sigmar tournament organization uh, kind of standards are still developing. And uh, like I'm used to, like I've played in quite a few tournaments now. I've never had a game go over 90 minutes. And I've always hit the bar. Really? Uh, always, almost always at the bar. You go the two and a half hours. Well, when I went to LVO, I did have my huge green skin army of models to move. So that, Fair I got little round circles, so I haven't been able to use those yet with that army to see if it speeds me up. But it was mainly all the models I had to move. We are making movement trays, by the way. I shouldn't say every round. I got blown off one round. Okay. It was over <laughs> pretty quickly. See, I have over 100 model count army. Now, again, I don't move as many times. Yeah, I have to get all those guys across the table. Yeah. And uh, we will be making uh, movement trays. Uh, that's something that we're working on right now for Age of Sigmar for 25, 32 mil models. That'll make it a lot easier to move those big units. Yeah. Um, so just keep your eye open for that. But uh, 
That's really interesting. And in, in the Facebook group, that was, I think, the biggest point of feedback was round times. And I, I was really surprised. So I think what we'll do is we'll go to two hour and 15 minute rounds as a compromise. Yeah. Because uh, we were at two hour rounds uh, with 15 minute breaks. But I think we'll go to 215. It'll add an hour to the day just to let everybody know that. So it does make the day longer. People forget that yeah, you don't magically pull out. extra time out of the day. Um, and we're starting pretty early. So it's not like we can get going any earlier and no. really expect people to make it. But this is just the way it is at tournaments. They start early and hope to not go too late. But uh, on the second day, we can start later in the day because there's only going to be, most people are going to get two rounds, which means you'll get to go home. You'll get to get on the road and go home on Sunday night at a reasonable time. If you play in the championship round, uh, you will obviously go a bit longer. Go around, yeah. If anybody wants to watch it, they can. Of course, we're going to film it because that's going to be exciting and fun. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, but, it, but I think the long and the short of it is jump, jump in the Facebook page. Join the conversation. Let me know if you think I'm wrong. I'm more than, I am happy to admit it when, uh, uh, if my instincts are off base. But we have been doing this for a really long time, so I feel like there's a, a lot of uh, experience behind some of these opinions. But uh, we want it to be the event that, that people want to come to, Yeah. ultimately. And we're, we're more than willing to compromise, right? So we're like, yeah, you guys think the round times are too short? We're going to make them as long as we can. Well, um, and we're going that many rounds because if we get enough people, you're going to have to go that far just to... Yeah clear out a winner. Yeah. Can't, I don't know how that works. He does because he's done way bigger events than me. Yeah. 32 was my biggest and that was just recently. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the cool thing is as you grow in the Swiss system, it gets easier to grow. But it's the it's the early rounds where you, get to, you, you need a lot of rounds to accommodate not very many people because it's, ex, it's exponential growth. You double for each uh, round. You can double the number of players. Right. So we need seven to hit, to, to, to have a Swiss system for the number of players that are coming. Um, that I anticipate that we're going to get. And we won't have to worry about hitting eight, I don't think, anytime soon, because that, that would be 256. Oof. Yeah. And then we'd have to add a whole day somewhere, because there's no way you can squish that in. I you think. can do four and four. Um, you do four and three, and then have the, four, the eighth round be a championship round. Okay. It is pretty, like, because, again, like, um, we did this in 40K. We've gone through this. Yeah. We've gone through these growth cycles. You did cycles. that in LVO, because yeah. you have, uh, what, Friday, Saturday, and then... The LVO is a three-day tournament, but only the top eight make day two. So then if, if, if you play Friday, Saturday, uh, three. You, get, you get three and three. Yeah. And then on Sunday, you're free to go play in another event. Oh, when they rewrite it, maybe you can condense those. Cause That'd be cool. All the rules sound like I'll be able to get through a game way faster. That would be cool. I mean, and that's, I think that's a good segue. And just to, before we transition, because that's a good topic we want to talk about, is what's going to happen. Uh, people are concerned. Are they going to lose players back to 40K? Um, yeah, as a tournament organizer, I was kind of thinking that might be a thing, but and we'll we'll jump into that. But if you do want to join in on the conversation, because uh, the other big topic, not really a big, I guess it was the third biggest topic, but there wasn't really that many big topics because Age of Sigma is so straightforward, which I love. Uh, is the Bailwind Vortex? Let us know what you think about that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, we did we we put it on the ban list, and it I, it's funny. I talked to some of the uh, South Coast GT guys because I was like, yeah, I was like the big tournaments ban it, and someone was like, no, they don't. I was like, yeah, they do. And then I went and talked to the South Coast GT guys. Like, you guys banned the Bailwind Vortex? They're like, no, not this year. I was like, oh. Yeah, they, okay. put, they put limitations on it. Like, um, you, he can't hold objectives. He can't block things. Yeah, because that's my main gripe with it. It's the, the doubling the range. You become an artillery piece, whatever. And they put the same in for, like, the changeling and stuff. It's like, yeah, he can be on the table. He has his rules, but you can't put him on objective. Yeah. Like, in three places power. You can't sit in the objective surrounded by other chaos guys. You can't target him because you don't know he's an enemy. Yeah. It's like, no, if you can't target him, he can't hold. Yes. And that's all there was to and it. That's a reasonable, that's reasonable. That's fair. Yeah. Right. So like some people were like, oh, I don't really want to ban the Bailman Vortex. And I was like, okay, that's no problem. Would you guys be willing to, to comp it? 
Like, because my biggest thing is blocking the objective, which blocking is blocking the objective. Uh, my iron jaws would never it. reach him. Yeah. So it's like non-interaction is is bad for game, bad for any game. I'm hoping the general's handbook too resolves this for us. Yeah, fixes all that up. Uh, but if not, let us know your thoughts. Would you be okay including it if we said you could hit the guy on top, maybe with a minus one to hit? Yeah, and and the thing, the people who are using it or have armies that have lots of spells can do combinations with it. Because like you drop a bell and vortex into my iron jaws, there's one guy who's going to stand on top of it. He gets a little more range on his one. is two different spells, but one of them is really powerful, but it has a 10 to cast, so I can reach out and stomp things. But it, it's, it's nice, it's, but it's not game-changing. A couple of other armies, it's, it's game-changing. Let's, let's be honest. It's the Gaunt Summoner on the Bailwind Vortex. That's what you see. Because he has a spell that will kill half your unit. Right? Like, that guy will literally kill a melee army solo. Right. If you do not have the way, a means to take him out. And, oh, it's like, okay, well, I have one guy that casts Mystic Bolt. Well, guess who's dying first? Yeah. <laughs> who's the first target? That guy right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so let us know what you think. Because again, I'm not playing in this. Everyone knows I hate the Bale and Vortex, but my opinion is irrelevant because I'm not playing in the event. So jump in the Facebook group and let us know what you think about those topics and to help us make this the best event it possibly can be. And if you've seen how other people have comped it, copy it, send it, so we can we can look at it, go back to their pack and look at their reasoning for it and, and try to come up with some, some idea of what we want to do about it. Yeah. So on to the next topic, uh, Will 40K, Will Newhammer uh, drain or slow the Age of Sigmar uh, train of uh, enthusiasm that has left the station. Uh, I think... It's going to force people to make choices at events like SoCal Open. Yes. Or at Broadside or LVO, any of the other ones where multiple things are happening, Slobberknocker, etc. All of them have both events running. But I, I don't see how it's going to change the independent per, independent ones, the ones I don't, that don't have two events going. I don't think you're going to see people stop playing Age of Sigmar. I think that you're going to see it will bleed. I, I, you're, you're crazy if you don't think it's going to bleed some of your attendance. It's going to. Because a lot of the people that came over are people who were disenfranchised, was, disenfranchised with 7th. Which all of us know is a, a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, are some of those people going to go back to their first love? Yes. Yeah. Well, they yeah. have the models. They're going to go play. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the same argument I've made to yeah. every fantasy player. I'm not sure I want to play. We have the models. Why not try? Yeah. What can it hurt? Yeah. Yeah. You've already made the investment. And for this, this will be the same thing. They'll go back because they have the models. It's not an investment. They're just going to put it on the table and play, see if they like the new setup, which, I mean, I'm, I'm loving everything I read so far. I haven't seen anything. And I go, eh, maybe not. But all of it seems great. And the one that I hope comes over was the character one. Had we mentioned that yet, or did we talk about that? No, before? we can talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I again, I, a character one where you can't target it unless it's the closest model. If it's an independent character, and we're talking about forty k, forty k in the new version of the. And rules. I was thinking that'd be great to import into AOS because the one thing shooting armies have over assault armies or melee armies that that character composition they can just be picked off, and all of a sudden yeah. you lose all your synergies, and there's nothing you could have done to stop that from happening because there's no way. There's almost no way to really stop them from seeing that guy. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I played a, uh, a really, really crazy uh, Seraphon army at the last round of the Broadside Bash, and he had these insane combos, all these little characters that did really great buffs, uh, my opponent, and I was like, whoa. It ended up with Saurus Guard, which are their elite infantry, with a two-up, ignore Rend 1, re-rollable save. Yep. I was like, come again? And he showed me, he's like, this guy does this, the battalion does this, this guy does this, and then this guy does this, and then this other guy busts him this way. I was like, wow. Yeah, and, and with Seraphon, if you stay in that faction, you can use those as your core troops, your yes. battle line. 
Which he did. And they're great troops. Yeah, so he had these two up re-rollable save, ignoring Rin 1, which most armies, that's all they get is Rin 1. Yeah. Running up the table, and I was like, well. So point out the characters starting from the best to the worst buff, <laughs> and then I just killed the characters because I could just shoot them and pick them out. Right. And uh, while good for me, I don't know how much fun that was for him. Yeah. Because then I, by the time a Soros Guard got across the table, they were just regular Soros Guard, and I was like, shh, well, and with enough shooting, you can get key characters. You just clear the unit out of the yeah. way to get to that one guy, but it means you're chewing up more of the firepower to do it. And I think that would be a good turn balance back and forth because the assault army has to get there to do their business. Yes, and you, you need they need their buff characters to get there. Like, you should have some mechanic for, for attacking them like in 40K. And again, I can't say too much. Uh, as, they, as GW said, uh, Frankie and myself were some of the playtesters for the new version of the game. But in their video, they did say uh, sniper rifles can choose who they shoot at regardless of the, the normal um, limitations on yeah. characters. I, I'm, you I'm, need something like that. I'm not totally plussed on it. It has to be the closest model. I would go with like unobstructed or unviewed from the, from the model kind of thing or you would an inch be, or something. You but, would be surprised at how complicated that is. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong. I promise. I, like <laughs> I, pro I promise. Uh, but it just it's a lot sounded, harder to word than you think it would okay. be. But um, you, you do come up with bizarre situations. That all become evident as people play New Hammer. But um, I think it would be good in Age of Sigmar because armies like mine assassinate your characters every time. Right. Well, that's what all the shooting armies can do. Yep. Especially and I'm fine if you like if they put in you know and they should put in the whole thing. Well, if it's on a monster, no go. You can clearly see the big bruisey monster. You go get them. Yep. But like your little characters in the back that have some things they do. If you lose all of them and your big bruisey monster because shooting just picks them off, you've got a, a whole rune of troops with no buffs, right. no bonuses, running right. in to do flat attacks. You're right. And the new Thunderers are going to be the, the ultimate offenders of that because that one unit dropped off. They jump out of their ironclad and mid-table, they can reach almost the whole table. You, there's nowhere to hide. But then and, the counter and you argument... you can chop the unit up into yeah. pieces. So mathematically in your head, I'll need this much to kill him. So let's go over yeah, by this five guys will shoot him. That one and, five guys will shoot him. Right. Five guys will shoot him. Now all your buff characters are dead and the game's effectively over. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's... So there's got to be a happy medium. Like you need some way of reaching back because like a skink star priest, yes, you need to be able to kill that guy. Yeah. Uh, but it shouldn't be easy. So that, that's going to be interesting. But anyway, we, we completely derailed. Is oh. 40K going to take... Uh, <laughs> is 40K going to take players away? I think the answer is yes. How many, we don't know. I, I think don't, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact overall. A lot of yeah. guys enjoy playing the game. Every 40K player I've heard who's come over, who's talked to me, who just loves it, they want to keep playing this game. I, I think it'll cut into their time they first spend with each game. That's going to be obvious. But I'm fairly sure if I run in a big event and everyone, it's not competing with something else, I'll still get the attendance. I, I just don't see how that wouldn't no, and what, what you're going to see too is like I know talking to uh, some like really well-known, very good tournament players in the 40k community uh, that, that have jumped over to Age of Sigmar. Their plan is to jump back and to do both, and at any event that offers both, they're going to play in both because they all want to double crown and get <laughs> and win an Age of Sigmar and 40k tournament at the same event. Like yeah. I, you bet your bottom dollar at Adepticon, I'm going to be playing the 40k champs and the Age of Sigmar champs. And then at Nova, I'm going to try and do the same thing. If I was going to Las Vegas Open, I would try to do the same thing. Uh, I would try to do both because right. I think that'd be really, really fun. Well, and, and South Coast, uh, the guy who won the top there is a 40K player who's taking a break waiting for the new rules. He's, yeah. And he did a mixed chaos this time. The last one he won, he used mixed order. This yeah. one he used mixed chaos. And it was 27 versus 24 Skyfires. Was it? 27 versus 24. <laughs> 
Okay, so General's Handbook 2, another thing, please fix Skyfires. They're too quick, the range is too far, they have to do too many mortal wounds, and why are they good in melee? Because <laughs> the disc does all the work. What? Yeah, well, I mean, clearly they're... Just look at that. That tells you everything you need to know. Well, and that's... Uh, magic did that. I had a friend who used to do competitive magic, and it's one of the things. If somebody... If everybody's using the same tactic, There's you did something wrong. Yeah, and then to that point, the Bailwind Vortex was all over the top tables. Yeah. I was, ta I was, I was just on... Um, uh, talking to the bad dice guys. Okay. And they were like, yeah, oh, yeah, it was everyone. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so again, let us know what you think. But um, I, I think long term that New Hammer 40K is going to uh, inject new players into both systems. Because yeah. it's going to draw people. And we have Dawn of War 3 just dropped. You bet you're, you bet you're behind that that's going to draw tons of players into the game. Because Dawn of War 1 brought more new players into the game than I've ever seen, ever. And that was a great great game for me to play when I couldn't. Exactly. Because my son was a certain age. I couldn't yep. couldn't go out on a regular basis, so I played that game. Yep. And I know there's a, actually it'll work the other way because I know a lot of guys who've jumped into AOS, they've never done tabletop, and now you know GW's got those small skirmish games to get you into 40K. Oh, I want to try that. And if I like it, I might start moving towards an army since the new rules are coming. Yep. And so it, we're, they're going to cross-pollinate, I would think. Oh, no, totally. Like Ultimately, you may get a dip. Because, okay, it's the new shiny thing and everyone's going to go chasing after it. But then there's going to be some people who are like, yeah, but come back. So I would, say, I would expect a dip when, when New Hammer drops. That's inevitable. As everyone's super jazzed to try out the new thing. And then as people settle into it, they're going to pick their favorite, but they'll probably still do both. Yeah. And then ultimately more people will come into the hobby, which is what we really want. Yeah. So More people paint little models, more yeah, games to play. Totally. Because they'll be like, you know, there'll be a game night. I'm like, what's that with the dragon? Oh, that's called Age of Sigmar. And oh, ooh, 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 here I come. What's that giant thing with an orc standing on top of it? Well, that's a Maw Crusher. Yeah, and it's awesome. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the cabbage pit bull lizard thing. I love that thing. I love it. Uh, so anyway, we have a couple more events we wanted to give a shout out to. Uh, the Gateway Open Battleshock Bash. That's in June 23rd and 25th. So that's coming up a uh, month and a half away. Ooh, they got a grand narrative on Friday. That sounds like fun. Saturday and Sunday match play tournament. 2,000 points, sounds great. Castle Conflagration, X? Uh, 10. Yeah, X. Uh, that's X. We're not 10. Romans. You doing Roman numerals? <laughs> yeah. It's 10, and that's going to be his one day, five, his, uh, like everybody knows who I'm talking about, John Fuhrhelms. <laughs> Who's a great guy. <laughs> He's the guy, guy who volunteered to actually help me as a second for uh, the Open, so I may take him up on that. I'm definitely going to need somebody running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need somebody. <laughs> this sounds like a blast. Five 80-minute yeah. rounds, 1,000 points, four-by-four-foot tables. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, nice and fast. Get any, like I said, he's been trying to get everybody used to playing short games. Get them done in two two hours or almost complete in two hours to get used to a, a tournament tournament feel. Because I know when we both met at LVO, we just started chit chatting and we played. Yeah. We had like turn three and he's coming by and goes, oh, there's 15 minutes left. And we look at each other, oh. <laughs> I think maybe like my games go so quick because I've, I've played literally, I've probably played hundreds, if not a thousand tournament games in my life. I used to go almost every single weekend. Well, and it's like, that, you go so quick because you have to. You get used to it. Yeah, well, and a lot of the tables at the top end are us were usually done uh, faster. Very few of them went to the very last round. Yeah. Or very last minute, sorry. They were all done fairly quickly because they're, they're focused on what they're doing. Is where, like, I sit across from somebody who wants to chat. I'm a chatty guy. I just start talking. And then yeah. all of a sudden, two rounds have gone and an hour and a half has passed. You're like, oh. I, we need to speed up. We're not going to make it. <laughs> you do, you know, it's like, I, I, I forget that because like with 40K, we have data. Like we, we know exactly how many, we know what our completion ratio is for the amount of time we provide. Because we have enough data that I can go, if we go, which in 40K right now, it's like three hour rounds. It's, ugh, 
I cannot wait for the game. Two hour quicker. rounds. Two hours. Yeah. Full game. I was saying, like, if we do, if we give them three hours and fifteen minutes, which is what we've been doing, uh, we know that we're going to have a roughly like 80 percent completion ratio, right? And I know that because we have the data to back it up. We're, and that's still ridiculous that that's all we get. Yeah. In that amount of time, uh, but in, in Age of Sigma, we don't have enough data yet to to make those calls. So when we were writing the round times, I was like, oh yeah, two hours. Plenty of time. Plus, you got a 15 minute break. You can play into it a little bit. Right. I was like, yeah, it's plenty of time. But we'll go to 215 because if that makes people feel more comfortable, then that's what we'll do. Um, question for the show, and this comes from a reader talking about a list that I wrote about that I don't remember, but apparently it sounded pretty cool. <laughs> it was a uh, Chaos Knights, a bunch of knights running around. Yeah, doing Slaves of the Darkness. You and Chaos. Oh, Knights. I do remember this. Okay, good. This was like when I very first started playing, and I was like, Chaos Knights are cool. I had no idea that they sucked. <laughs> so I'm going to go say that They're probably... not so bad. I was just on Canhammer the other night, and we were talking about like like cycles of, of, of updates with the General's Handbook, and they're like, wouldn't it be cool if this season they, they just universally buff Calvary? And then the next yeah. season they universally buff Monsters. And not, not, and when I say buff, I don't mean like make them like overwhelming, but just at the same time, make everybody's cavalry a little better. Right. Because everyone wants cavalry to be better. So I was like, you know, that's a little food for thought. We'll leave that there. You tell us in the comment section what you think about that. But because right now shooting is so good. And they're like, well, what if we, instead of nerfing shooting, what if we go, okay, everyone, we're going to buff everyone's cavalry just a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some little thing because help them out. Cavalry are not good. So now that said, uh, if you were going to make cavalry good, uh, there is a um, formation in the Ever Chosen book. If I, I think it's the Ever Chosen book. It's a Zinch formation, uh, Slaves of Darkness, all mortal units. Uh, you have to take nine or more units. Everybody gets Rin 1 if they didn't have it. This is a sleeper hit. Yeah. And if you go all Zinch, you get Destiny dice. Yeah, which means you can throw those in to help. So, well, but if you do the Chaos Knights, because I kind of poked through the yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. You do the Chaos Knights, you have to feel the Lord on the Demon Horse. You, you don't to do have that. Oh no, to do to. this particular battalion. Oh, they're talking about the battalion and, in the in the, in the and, index. Yeah, well, no, it's it's reprinted and it is in the the main book because it has a color page when I looked it up. So it's not the old. old no, it's book. it's in the yeah. index. It's the one where you get like in the hero phase, you can attack one more time or something. No, like no, that. no. When you charge, if you have at least ten models near a unit, you do mortal wounds. That's you right. do mortal wounds. That's well, right. you do. The D3 mortal wounds, you do D6 mortal wounds if there's 10. I do remember this. So you can line those guys up, get those out there, and then they run over and do mortal wounds, and Calvary's fast. Yep. So that would be a great beginning hit. And Chaos Knights aren't bad. They've got a good save. They bounce mortals on a five up, and yep. somebody out there's throwing around mortals. So, And they're three wounds each. Now, I'm fairly sure you're not talking about a winning army because you're not going to get enough models on the table at 200 points for five guys. But, I mean, that's... It would certainly put a wrinkle in a lot of armies. I think so, and I think it'd be a fun army. Like like Scott said, you probably Not a lot get, to paint. If you go to a tournament, I'd expect to go three and two. Something that ratio is about probably about right. Um, and you'd have fun, and your opponent would have fun. It'd be a fun army to play against. So that's always two thumbs up. That's fun. Um, I don't know if it's super viable just because cavalry in general is just underwhelming. Yeah, they just they didn't give cavalry enough hit on the initial yeah. round, and, and I'm fine with, with them after it. Because, I mean, historically, if you read about Calvary, the charge is where it's at. Yeah. It so they should charge, hit like a brick, and then basically... Be mediocre after Mediocre, that. so yeah. they want to run away. And if you look at it, they balance Calvary to infantry. Like, if you compare them point for point, wound for wound, attack for attack, to, like, uh, Saurus knights versus Saurus warriors, 
for the points you get pretty much the same thing. The Knights are faster, so they're a little bit more expensive. But if you look at it that way, yeah. they, they, they're very comparable to each other. They just don't have the buffs. They, they don't have yeah. the things. But it's like, I don't, I don't want to, like, who can't, like, yeah, make them hit hard. I want them to hit hard. Yeah, it would be great if it was just a, a generic cavalry rule, like, one more of the attacks per, because just getting do, that extra in there, yeah. an extra chance to wound in some way. Just do mortal wounds on the charge. Mortal wounds on the charge. Some, something, because, like, my Iron Jaws cavalry, the pigs, the um, Gork Runners. Hard. Yeah, I have to be eight inches away successfully make that charge to get there the pigs will do a d3 rather than a one in damage you don't want to set yourself up for an eight inch charge and then fail by rolling a seven you you, you want to be closer so you're never using that ability i've played i think i'm up to a dozen plus games with them now on the table and i think i've gotten away with it twice yeah it, it's, it's not a very good mechanic and it's the only buff they get for charging yeah. in it's like yeah so i mean long story short on this one i would say you're probably this is a, a passion project. You do this because you love the models because Chaos Knights are beautiful models. They are. They're gorgeous. Um, but then that, that detachment or the battalion I just described, I don't remember the name of it. It's a Zinch battalion. You can make that your whole army. It's a one-drop army, almost always going to get to choose to go first or second. Uh, and what we were looking at was chariots because Chaos Chariots and Gorby's Chariots mm. with Rend 1 are really scary because they're cheap and they're fast. Uh, and Marauders and Marauder Horsemen with Rend 1 are really, really good. Really good. Throw in yeah. some Destiny Dice. And yeah, rend, uh, any kind of rend normally it's does, great. is great. Could you, like Marauder Horsemen are cheap and they're, they can shoot, they can fall back, shoot. Um, yeah. And well, they're a great battle line. Yeah. They're cheap to throw out there. They're a battle line, right? The horsemen. Marauder yeah. Horsemen, I think they I think are. They are. But you, you could, I think that would maybe be a more consistently effective uh, build. Yeah. If you a wanted. lot of people don't see the strength in the retreat. It's, there's a huge amount of strength in the retreat because you can go in any direction. It's not you can go, old fantasy. It's not 40K where you run away. You can go anywhere you want. Well, your models can fly, so you go through guys, but not, <laughs> yes, everybody, that can, army not can. everybody can do that. The, the Nighthaunt army and I have. General Sandbook 2, make retreat towards your own uh, deployment edge, please, because running away forward is a little silly. So we have a couple of events coming up this, uh, uh, this weekend. We have the Unbound, the Unbound's May Sigmar tournament, and that is in... Scottsdale. Scottsdale. Uh, Tri-Cities 1K AOS tournament in uh, Washington. We have Age of Six Mar Spring Fling in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Warmonger AOS tournament, and that's in Santa Clarita. Sex Panther Introductory ITC Oof. AOS tournament. That's in El Paso, Texas. Those, those guys are funny as heck. Are they? Yeah. Age of Sigmar ITC Spring tournament, and that's in uh, Florida. I'm not going to kiss me. Uh, the Gun Dudes Age of Sigmar tournament in uh, Centro Centerville, Virginia. Rolling Bad May RTT at Active Imagination Family Arena in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the Still City Sigmar Tournament in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Before we end, of course, we've got to go through the um, updated ITC rankings for those of you who've been out there getting your points. Get your 15 minutes of fame, and then we will close it out for this episode. There was a lot of movement after uh, was there? Broadside. Oh, yeah. Oh, Broadside went up. A lot of guys uh, moved positions. Sam Valdez back in first place. Up in uh, first. Really... Um, very good player. Uh, well done, Sam. And he was at the Broadside Bash. Uh, he had a nasty... There was a couple Cunning Ruck plus uh, Stonehorn and Thunder Tusk lists. And those are just mean. Just mean. Mean. All the shooting and all yeah. the guys. Yeah, but not unbeatable. Not unbeatable. Uh, very good, though. Top 10. So, of course, we have uh, Sam Valdez up in first place. Michael Birch in second. I had a chance to play Michael Birch. Really, really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, really nice guy. Um, oh, one other thing about the Gaunt Summoner. It doesn't hit every model in the unit, which I stupidly thought it's every model in range. Ah. 
big difference. <laughs> big difference. But when you double your range, that, that... Yeah. Well, I mean, I could have very easily deployed not all in range, but I thought it automatically hit the whole unit. I'm stupid. So there's no reason to pace yourself. Right. To take it all. Yeah. Uh, Zach Lopez in third. Matthew Pashby in fourth. Ryan Ariola in fifth. Or probably not saying that right, but sorry if I'm not. James Sutton in sixth. He almost won the broadside bash. No, Vlad Nika. He won the broadside bash. No, James Thomas won the no, broadside bash. No, he won best general. Oh, right. You went from the best coast pairing app. I did. If you go from the event. Uh, both, well, be, okay, so I he won best general time. and then James Sutton won best overall. Yeah, James and Samuel tied in that one. Got it. There was some scoring issues, so oh, after that was the fact. decided. Gotcha. Decided pull. Gotcha. Well, congratulations to both of them. Yeah, they both played great games. So uh, Vlad Nika in seventh, I had a chance to play him. He uh, he beat me in a very close game. Great, the Sylvaneth. Oof, God, they're good. And he's up in the Bay Area. Uh, James Hill in eighth. Ninth is Jason Heidi. I'm not even gonna try. And then Joshua <laughs> Harvey in tenth. Top teams. We have Betty's fighting Havanikins in first. WSD in second. Name. Yeah, funny name. <laughs> Your Mom's Garage in third. Destruction, we have John Camacho leading the pack. Bone Splitters, we have Grant Potsube. Chaos, Zach Lopez. Death, we have James Sutton. Destruction, Sam Valdez. Disciples of Zinch, we have Mike Birch. Flesh Eater Courts, we have Lance She Fire Slayers. Brad Jimenez, we got someone on the board. Yep, they got, they got him last week. Uh, James Marriott is in first. Blades yeah. of Corn, Frank Deloach. Order, James Hill, Seraphon, Jarrett Zazueta, John Fearhelm leading Pestilence, Stormcast Eternals, Adam Mofrad, and Vlad Nika in first for Sylvaneth. Congratulations to all of our leaderboard winners. And I do have to say, Mike Fox is making a Fire Slayer army. So Brave Soul, who is currently the only man <laughs> with Fire Slayers. You're going to have some competition. You're going to have some competition. Go to another event. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Ninth Realm and Age of Sigmar podcast brought to you, as always, by Frontline Gaming and Scott. And me. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week.